Hmm. Usually I, I get a trigger for the talk during the day, noticing something, either in my, in this theater or out, out there. But, uh, the thing that was said the other day where the person uh, obviously uh, is believing he's trying to get it and he has to stop trying to get it. Yes, it's a typical maneuver. So you hear the message and the message is you are what you're looking for. So the idea of trying of getting it is uh, becomes an impossibility. But then now the person says, I'm going to I'm going to have to accept I'm never going to get it. No. The eye that's trying to get it isn't you and the eye that's going to say it's going to have to stop trying to get it isn't you. Yeah. It's not a correction in something you do. So trying to get it and then stopping trying to get it. That's not the message. The message is. You're not that which is trying to get it. And then when that which is trying to get it reverses its strategy and now tries to be that which is not trying to get it, you're not that either. Yeah, simple, clean. Usually you don't have to go through seven or eight uh, sort of reflections. It's usually two, yeah, it's like in, du in duality. So there's the appearance of you, the you that you're not, that's now realize it, it's never going to get it, yet it still wants to get it. And then there's a feeling of another you that says, I'm going to stop wanting to get it. You're neither of those. Yeah. So you're not the one that implies it's going to be the corrective state. In other words, it's going to stop trying to get it, which is going to allow it to get it. Yeah. You're not that either. You see? So there's a recognition of one aspect. And then that which claims the recognition is also the recognition of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how far you can go. Like we, we, we brought it to the point of the old idea of policeman and thief, thief policeman. So basically most people I feel usually have, maybe there's uh different degrees and stuff, but basically the narration of the head will be po thief policeman. Yeah. Policeman thief, let's say. So watching this action figure, it was weird. I started with the policeman. So when I, when I was a kid, I, I never, I behaved myself completely in first grade had like 98 uh, in the tests, never played around. I didn't curse for years and stuff like that. So there was something, uh, maybe it was from my Irish grandmother or whatever, but I was very, very listening to the head and it wasn't giving me much room to move, which caused uh, an irritability, restlessness and discontent that sort of built like a pressure or a compression and it was gonna blow sooner or later. And then around 12, it blew and I was introduced to alcohol. And when I drank alcohol, I got relief from the policeman, so to speak. So I didn't care uh, what my batting average was. I didn't care what that girl meant by saying hello to me in the hallway. I didn't care about a lot of shit that I was overly caring about that was really like a very tight sphincter 
and it was uncomfortable. So now I start drinking and I just, man, I was like a duck to water. I just kept drinking. And then it led quickly to a, a escalation to drugs and alcohol. And I basically liked the sanctuary of the thief a lot better than the policeman walking the beat on in my head, yes? But what happened in this case was, uh, you know, I realized as soon as I started to use, I had magnetic appeal to people in uniform. I started to attract consequences for my little thief uh, regime to the point, and I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. I did not want that policeman to take over. I did not want that, whatever is that. There was just a reluctance or a, or a, a stubborn no fucking way. And I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel that policeman now, yeah? Or actually listen to it. So the thief could only run so long and then it collapsed. And then I wash up on the shores of recovery and I get introduced to recovery and who shows up? The policeman. Now I have to be perfect. I've got to do everything. I got to go over every intention that may go through my head and see what my, what's the real drive go. It was just unbelievable. It was like a real magnification of self, you know, in the policeman garb when it was a magnification of self as the thief. Yeah. There was, I felt more fringe benefits as the thief than the policeman, but there's less consequences in a sense for the, as the policeman. So what happened was I thought it's got to be either one or the other. Yeah. So when I got involved in spirituality and I got disappointed because the person that I met through this uh, group was presented as the Lord of the universe. And I didn't like the Lord of the universe. And with the policeman hearing that, man, I was beaten with that billy club, like constantly. Who doesn't like the Lord of the Universe? Man, it was fucking unbelievable. And I wanted to leave, but I didn't have, I could not get permission. The only way I could get permission was to get loaded, to go to the thief route. And I did, yes. <laughs> and I, and it gave me permission to leave the group. And there I went. But what happened is I went back to that thief thing, got worse and worse. And finally, I, uh, after spending many, many times in jail and two years and three months in programs and over a couple of years in a hospital bed, uh, I got sober. I got struck sober. Yeah. And then the gift was given and the gift was the getting struck sober. But what? it came with a partner gift, which was a way of life that was going to extend the miracle. And I really truly believe if I was not introduced to that way of life for recovery, that miracle would have died on the vine in a day or two, basically. But because for, it's now been extended like 35 years, and then suddenly, though, I get sober, and I don't trust the thief as far as I can fucking throw the thief. Yeah. And now the policeman shows back up. Oh, it's terrible. And, you know, spirituality, it's a real, like, uh, you know, the stick up your ass is greased, you know, but it's up there. Yeah. 
And now I've walking around for four years, like under a policeman probation and just everything going over like minutia. It was just complete obsession with this thing, what we call self in recovery. Then what happened after about four or five years, it started to chill out and I was introduced to uh, non-duality. And then I saw I'm neither the policeman nor the thief. Yes, hallelujah. That there was a third, a, third, a third door with let's make a deal with Monty Hall. I was living as there was only two doors. And then the third door was revealed. <laughs> and then I picked the third door and then I found out what was behind it, which was nothing. <laughs> it was just, there was nothing behind the door. And that nothing has been the greatest something I've ever received. It blew my mind. It's been blowing my mind for 35 years. I still haven't gotten anything out of non-duality. It's just awesome, really. So I saw neither the thief nor the policeman. Yeah. Before I thought there was only two options. I'd have to be one. Yeah. Or the other. I didn't ever, it never dawned on me I could be neither. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. It's the simple understanding of non-duality, which I heard. I heard it when it was presented to me. I saw that which is talking as me is not me. Yes. It's talking, and that which I believe is talking about me is talking about a me that's not me yeah when i'm listening to it in the act of being identified as it when it describes it the me it's making up i feel it's at my description you see i become bonded to the idea because when it says it's afraid that could be true but then we mimic it and we say i'm afraid that's not true yeah you, you're never disconnected. So when it says, I feel disconnected, that's not you. When it says it's out of the moment and it has to get into the moment, that's not you speaking. Yeah. And when it says, I'm super afraid of falling into the, to the event horizon, that's not you it's talking about. It's talking about its idea of its, of its you. Yeah. And you're not that. So what happens? You start having an immunity. It doesn't change the programming of the radio station. You stop picturing what it says as your condition, basically. Yeah. It's condition. It's flipped out. Yeah. But I'm not flipped out. It's really freaking resentful. I'm not resentful. It's restless uncomfortable, driven. I'm not. Yeah. Instead of it says I'm driven and then I act as if I'm driven. Yeah. It says I'm, I'm afraid. I act like I'm afraid. It says it's never going to get better. And then I go, it's never going to get better. But there's a huge pause between when it says it's little act and then when you comply to the act. It's not you complying when there's a complying to it. Yeah. Yeah. When it works, when there's a complying to it, you don't see that pause. But when you when when you see the pause, 
you see there's, there's a possibility of not complying. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You don't let it manufacture consent with the ability that you have of manufacturing things. It doesn't have the ability to make anything fucking so. Yeah. It just implies that it already is so. When you feel selfing, do you feel like it's it's saying you're becoming a self or you've already are one? It always states a fact that's not a fact. It starts with you. It starts you as a self. And then obviously it leads to the only possibility, just like in my case, I thought there was either a thief or a policeman. If you are identified as being in self, the only possibility when it's really, really uncomfortable is to try to get out of it, yes? Which is the biggest form of being in it. You're wanting to get out of it as it is the biggest form of it, yeah? So this message, it's neither this nor that. You'll find out. Yeah. And why would I want to describe what it's like the way it, it happened to me? Because you, it may be completely different when it spins out for you. Who wants to take away the joy of revelation? Yes. So we attempt just to describe what we're not. We, we, have, we attempt to describe the duality of this condition that we're in an experience of. We are not that which is, we are in the experience, we're not the experience, yes? So recognizing what we're not, is how you find out what you are, basically, yeah? By seeing what you're not, that's what you are. You are the seeing of what you're not, yeah? I don't know why it works that way, but that's how it seems to work, yeah? You can't go from where you are to the absolute. It won't work. You have to negate something, and then you'll realize you're in the absolute, yeah? It's that simple, I feel. And that's what I heard. And that's what has translated into this experience. And that's which, you know, I've been riding that horse for a long, long time. I'm, there's no rider of it, but there's a riding of something. And, uh, you know, in time, it's become the last answer. And that's a pretty damn uh, powerful demonstration. Yeah. This topic of whatever, spirituality, triggers a lot of whys, yeah? And this is just fucking neutralizes all that, yeah? Why not, basically? So it works. It's working. And here we are sharing the, you know, the space and... Uh, No matter what's going on in this surface experience, it has no effect on your on our true nature. There is an immunity, like the Course of Miracles says, the attack thoughts are attacking your invulnerability. Yeah. 
You did not acquire an invulnerability. You're not maintaining an invulnerability. You're not spending a huge amount of your interest and attention to reinforce that invulnerability. It's a natural state of invulnerability. The sky is never affected by what appears in it, yes? This doesn't mean you don't need to take care of the surface shit. You do if you do, and if you don't, you don't. But there's no road answer. And a lot of people make some insane mistakes thinking they can apply the idea of non-self as a self to things. It doesn't work really, yeah? This isn't the magic elixir. It tells you you may not need a magic elixir, yes? This isn't another solution. It informs you there's not a problem, yeah? It's got, it's a different, I've never heard anything like it, yeah? I never met non-Catholicism or non-Buddhism or non-Judaism, yeah? Non-Kabbalah, non-Hindu, yeah? But this is a very novel idea, and it works like a wrench in the mental logic. It's beautiful. So if you don't think I'm, whatever I'm saying is going over your head, and you're confused, and you're not getting it, those are all great signs. Yeah. <laughs> They're fantastic signs. They're indicating something. Yeah. There's a point where you're going to realize there's been a reliance on something that fails. Yeah. And there's great value in seeing that which fails us as failed. There's a huge value in it. You'll finally stop trying to resuscitate that dead horse or get a new saddle thinking that's going to convince it to go faster. There'll be a recognition it's dead and you'll get up. Yeah. Yeah. Or get off. So happy to be here. And um, yeah. Anybody have any share? Uh, William is waving his hand. Does that mean you want to go, William? William, yes. Yes. All right, good, good. We have it. So it was very nice to go and listen to one of your videos. It was must have been in the daytime. And you were referring to feelings. Like you went to these certain events or classes or whatever, and there wasn't a feeling there. And then when you did find a feeling, you found more of a uh, connection to it. Um, I was just wondering if you would comment on that because I don't seem to find, I don't know if I'm looking in the right way or what, but this so-called feeling thing you were talking about, it seems to escape me. A uh, sense, a sense. A sense, a feeling. That, that, sense feeling sense. That, that's something that seems to escape me. Well, I hope it escapes you. <laughs> Why? 
Because <laughs> that would be you feeling, having this sense. Yeah. That's why I hope it escapes you. Because the you that's going to claim the sense isn't you. That's why. Yeah. So it. that's why it's probably escaping you is something's looking for it. When something's okay. looking for it, it escapes you. Something that's looking, if you see that you're not that which is looking, you'll it'll be obvious. Yes. Yeah. So that's irrelevant. And in, in my case, in other words, whether I feel it or don't feel it, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's a sense. A sense, let's say you can feel. Well, if you've had a sense without ever putting a name to it of claustrophobia in your life, and then there's a freedom from that bondage, you're going to feel spacious or a sense of spaciousness. Yeah. Just like when what happened with me when uh, I would uh, participate in an event called service and recovery. Yeah. So having the condition of being extremely obsessed with self. Uh, it was difficult to break out of that orbit. So the attention and interest would just keep going around the idea of self. Yeah. Even with the entertaining of non-self, it would be self-entertaining it. So the way that we would escape that for a time would be service. And there was these meetings that you'd be able to attend after six months of sobriety uh, called hospital, hospital and institutions, and you'd go places where people couldn't get out, like at a detox or jail or in the hospital, and there would be you would hold or participate in a meeting there. Yes. Now I did this for about eleven years. You'd make a commitment like once a month, and so I had about three of them. So every month, three times, I go see, go to a rehab or a hospital or something like that. And some nights when I was supposed to go, I had I felt really, really bad. Yes. And I'd been there would have been an, an obsession for days over some fucking thing or whatever. Or my my hopeful fairy princess had just broken up with me or something. And then I would still keep the commitment and I'd go in there. And the most the story could withstand would be like 10 or 12 minutes of the service commitment, which was an hour. And then there would be a sense of being available to what was going on right at that moment and feeling present, present and available and being of service. Yeah. So now only knowing this orbit and only hearing something that lived in that orbit, I had a shock of being out of the orbit and what it felt like. Yeah. Or the sense of feeling available and present was not going to be given to me in that orbit, yeah? But I did something that took me, took the attention and interest out of that orbit. And what I sensed, sensed was I was felt bigger and I was available. In other words, I was looking at a person at that moment, not thinking about the person I saw an hour ago. I was actually present to what was happening, yeah? And it was better than reading 30 freaking books. It gave me a sense of what it could feel like. Yeah. So the service and this one commitment seemed to work the best for some reason. So I would have something I was dwelling on or the head was dwelling on for, for 
five or six days. And of course, when it's dwelling on something, it's it's think its uh, idea of a solution is to stay home and think about it, which is just like feeding the fucking the you know the Christians to the lions. It's just unbelievable. So I I would go out keep my commitment because why? I had an I had a an allegiance to recovery because it took me out of hell and it kept me out of hell. So I would do for recovery what I wouldn't do for myself. Yeah. So I would go to those meetings and I would be drawn, not me, but the interest and attention would be drawn out of that orbit so I could realize it's an orbit. It's not the whole fucking universe. I was stuck in like a little asteroid belt and it was telling me, oh, this is all there is. And there, there was two policemen thief, not, it can only be one or the other. Yes, that's it. All this stuff. I brought out, and instead of hoping for possibilities in almost like a seemingly impossible condition, I was outside that impossible condition, and I felt possibilities. Yeah. So service was an incredible demonstration of what it would feel like, or the sense of it would be like if I was out of self, or I'd be out of this preoccupation. I felt it. Presence and availability. Yeah. And then I realized I'm of service. My inherent condition is of service because I'm always present and therefore I'm available. Yeah. It's only when you're only available to the head that you feel like you're not present and unavailable. It's your being completely available to the head is what causes the sense of being unavailable and not present. When you lose interest in this idea of you, your natural inclination, the inherent uh, active condition here is here and now, yeah? You see it as a complete absurdity to waste any time or read any books about how to get into the moment because you've realized you've never been out of the moment. Yeah. So this thing has been, it has its belief system and we've taken it to be our belief system and it isn't. Yeah. And service was sometimes at these meetings who, and there's some fucking spiritual pros at this place. And my suggestion with them is freaking do service, go somewhere, not help of someone you know, but just go to a soup kitchen. And I bet you, you're going to have a feeling or a sense of what? Being present and available. Yeah. And that goes so much farther than reading a treatise or a program of how to become present and available. What the head is doing, it's it believe it's already saying it's already became unavailable and unpresent. And it's a lie. You've never not been here, ever. You've never been disconnected. The head has. You haven't. Oh. Why is it that we to act like the head's condition is our condition? That's why we joke about the hair. People think, oh, I'm, I love my hair. I've been growing it for years and I use the best shampoos. They haven't done shit. They just didn't cut it. The hair's growing on its own. Yeah. 
Well, Paul, I've been, I've been, I understand that very well. <laughs> I appreciate it. I have one question to add. As I have somewhat of a disability, I've been pretty much housebound for several weeks. So to get to a meeting or to get to somewhere where I can actually be self-service is difficult. Well, so you know what I want you to do if you if you can think about it. Why don't you co-host some of the meetings? Either that or, or I was I was training for different people that I feel needed in the group or my family or whatever. And that seems to be a uh, an alternate. Yes, you're completely needed. I haven't I've I remember the first time you came here, bro. You're part you're part of this whole event going on. And if you want to go like talk with Mike, just co-host the meeting. Yeah. And I bet you I know Michael Stacy, who's co-hosted tons of meetings and hosted them, feels gets a lot out of it. Yeah. Because he feels it's the spirit of service. That sounds like it might work for me under my circumstances. Yes, it's just co-hosting and it's not hard. And then you know, you can have some chat going on afterwards, and there's meetings after the meeting. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. That's Again, that. service is a is an attitude and an outlook. After a while, it's not an action. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a recognition that what makes you quote the you that you you know there's that you that you are. Your nature is present and available. That makes you of service. Now, how you're going to be used isn't up to uh, you, us, but you're going to feel like you've been used. Yes. And it's a wonderful fucking feeling in a way, especially when you're being used by something other than the old employer of this fucking mental addiction to self. Yeah. It used us also. Well, that worked in the same terms of calling sick people that I know. Elderly people. That's great. Yes, you know, William. When I was younger, my mom, we put her in a senior citizen home. Yes, because she was, uh, she was uh, in a wheelchair, and sometimes she would pass out, and she couldn't get to the phone, and uh, she wouldn't be able to get to the refrigerator, and so that was untenable. So. Some of my family members, God put her into a nursing home. Yes. And my mother always loved to drink beer. So she, anytime I'd visit, she'd want me to bring her a six pack, which I didn't, but I would see her. And then this one night I came and they wheeled her out and she was bright. She was like just lit up. And she told me she had just finished her commitment because she was calling people who were a housebound. Yes like you're talking about. And she had a little, uh, like a tree of people she'd call every Saturday. And she was just beaming, beaming. It was so obvious, the difference, yeah? And that, that, was, the, that was the grace of service, yes? Yeah. I understand very well. Yeah, so just, there's possibilities and, uh, I don't know if uh, non-duality groups, the ones I went to never really mentioned service much, but coming from recovery, it's, it's paramount. Yeah, because 
if you don't have a sense of what it feels like to be available and present, you're going to be left with mental concepts of how, of how it's supposed to feel like when you're available or present, or more how you're supposed to look like when you're present and available. That's not going to work. It's a, it's a, it's a lousy fucking substitute to the sense of being present and available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I found it the, the clearest, the best replica of presence and available I found was service through service in the beginning. Yeah. It was very clean. No, no uh, hooks, no, no tails on the, you know, it was just a feeling of, of presence and availability. And it wasn't, it seemed like after a while, this is what happened. Yeah. So in recovery, I did a lot of service, which most people do. So I had this event thousands of times where up, up from a transition of a, like a habitual obsession with self, maybe not a huge asteroid war going on, but still like a ring that's concerned about this idea of you. Yes. To a point. And then getting, having the interest and attention be drawn out of it by doing something and feeling it. Yeah. I had it a lot of times. And so where I first started was Paul, the only real Paul and his condition that Paul wanted to get out of. And then Paul had to do service to get out of this condition. Being in it had to be broken. It wasn't like my natural condition is being present and available. No, my natural condition was very selfish and self-seeking and frightened. That's what it seemed like. Yes. So I do a lot of service and I get the same effect most of the time, feeling bigger and feeling, you know, available and feeling a presence. And first I would call that presence spirit or higher power. But at one point I realized instead of looking at it from Paul and then doing something and then getting a sense of presence and availability, I realized I'm the presence and availability. Yeah. And then at that, that point, I saw I was of service. From the point of Paul, I had a do service, yeah? From the point of non-Paul, I was of service, yeah? The same thing, but just the emphasis is different. Instead of emphasizing Paul, getting out of the ass of self, what was emphasized was the presence and the availability, yeah? Changed everything, truly. Thank you. Most of us are seeing from self-centeredness. And so we see everything as how it pertains, pertains to self. Everything. Yeah. What this message switches is that instead of being rooted in this idea of self, you're now starting to enough interest and attention has migrated to that presence and availability. So you, now you can start telling the truth about what you're not. Yes. Yes. Because you're seeing it. You're not looking from it as you once did. Not, it was never you, but you're not looking from it. You're seeing it. Yeah. That's the real switcheroo. Yes. The emphasis shifts completely. 
And therefore you'd get, you lose interest in you getting liberated. You're freed from the need to be liberated because you're not, you're not that which needs to be liberated. You lose interest in a lot of fucking seeking because it's the self that has to seek. Yeah. And then it's always caught in its conundrum, which is self can't get out of self. And we always end up with the greatest value of any spiritual practice, which is it fails you. It's fantastic. So then suddenly the emphasis leaves you and goes on to the presence and availability. And all these lies and misunderstandings get explained, yes? As, as much as needed. Because basically as soon as a certain point is reached, it's on, you're on a need-to-know basis. And you probably don't need to know much, really. <laughs> Too much knowledge could be dangerous, yes? <laughs> yeah, so. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here and you're stuck with us and stick with us. We appreciate your presence here. Thank you again. Oh, the dogs at peace. Lola's listening to satsang. Amelia's not. My cat's not. She's scratching the chair. <laughs> Lola. I'm doing documents for you guys. Now, if I was really considerate, I'd like put a little soft comforter in the inside of the plastic, eh? So when she lays her little head on that hard plastic, it would be softer. Mm. That would like be an invention. Think about that. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, it's just her whole world is a plastic cone. <laughs> it's just incredible. Can you imagine if we had to go to me, we're doing that quite a lot metaphorically with the mental addiction. It's sort of like wearing that cone and all these incredible broad frequencies are getting just fucking captured and put into this through this tunnel of self-centeredness. So instead of recognizing you're inherently okay, what you get is I could possibly be okay if I only did this, get that, blah, 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 blah. I just, uh, I mean, then all these present tense possibilities become future, truly impossibilities. Because it makes you in more anguish because now you believe you could be better later. <laughs> it, makes the, it makes the belief that you're not now worse. Yes. It just like piles on, doesn't it? It's like it has you as the doer and then you get blamed. And then it also has, you should have been a doer. <laughs> you, you didn't do the thing you should have done. You can't win. Mm. All right, Mike, anyone out there? Um, hey, Dan, no. I recommend you come to the talks occasionally and chat with people. Yeah. If, you, if you're not available to a living community, use this. It seems to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So peaceful. Mm. I was just saying this at a meeting. 
that. Uh, when I'm in that meeting, nothing else, you know, I'm very present, very available. And everybody in the room is too. And it's like really, really powerful. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. That's that like fifth tradition, a loving something expresses itself through our group conscience. Yeah, so uh, as a collective, we're much bigger than the individuals, yes? Yes, it's powerful, for sure. And even though the persons that are sitting there are not loving and tolerant, there's a feeling of love and tolerance in the room. It's pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, I saw Simon, I think, put his hand up. Uh, I think he might have been speaking, but it, he's got a black square, so I don't know that he's um, there. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? Sherry, San Diego, hello. Dennis W, resting. William Stamps, Craig May. I put a padlock on the Craig's corner, so he can't can't get in and come out now for a little while. Bill Churchman, the largest lazy boy chair, probably in Pennsylvania or Delaware. Delaware, yeah. A new, as always, Alan. Olson, man, nice way to receive the message, eh? laying down on your right side. You can go to sleep. It happens through osmosis. Pretty good. John in Florida. Yeah. Lynn D. I always like that little sun coming through the curtain. Very nice. Kerry holding down our Hawaii chapter. Yeah. Michael, doing well. It's got an interesting color tonight on your, uh, in the room. Hmm. Debbie McKenna, she knew me from the early days of the dry dock in San Francisco. That's going way back, yeah. When I was the radical cleric, Paul. Yes. They own, they almost hung me at the at the public square. Wow. I escaped. <laughs> uh, it's nice to see you, honey. Yes. Wish the best for you. Anyone else have something to say? Let me see. Uh, Lala. I don't know if I've, if I've met Lala before. Raised your hand. Lala. I like the, the, the name, Lala. Hi there. The last place I saw you was at Dry Dock in person. Who was that? Oh, Schmidt Cheese. Oh, yeah. That's how long Yeah. Yeah, Dry Dock days. Wow. All right, Lala. Hi. Hey, can't see you. Let me go back. I'm uh, I'm so thankful for these uh, for these meetings. Thank you so much, Paul, and everybody else that that 
helps to um, facilitate and and have so many options throughout the week and, and the website. Um, I don't want to cry. But I will. Um, I'm eight years sober. And I, uh, I have been um, coming in and out of, of AA for 28 years about. I used to go to prime time on, on Wilshire in like 07, 06, 05, 06, 07. Um, I had a prime time sponsor for a little while. And I, I really have a... Um, Sometimes I feel like I have OCD. My mind is obsessively thinking of negative things about myself. And I live in fear, constant fear that bad things are going to happen. And I, I attract bad things or self, self is attracting bad things. Um, and I have moments where I can step out and I realize that's alcoholism. That's um, my mind speaking to me with authority and, and running the show completely into the fucking ground, literally. Like I'm, I'm a single parent and um, I've had a lot of, a lot of loss and I attribute that to my, my mind what my mind tells me about how to live my life and what to do and the paranoid thoughts. I have all these paranoid thoughts about people. I don't trust anyone. It's just so much all day. And I, I try, you know, the golden key. I, I, I keep trying to go to God, please God be with me. I'm so sorry. I left you. I, I, I used to do talk to God when I went through a doorway, when I shifted my five speed in my car, uh, when I looked at my watch, I, these are all tricks I got from prime time. I constantly go to God, go to God. Um, but it's, it's still a very, I don't, I don't think anybody should have to live like this. It's so painful. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> is there a quicker way to, yeah. to realize it? <laughs> I guess that's, that's really, you know, way. what it's, what it's going to do, hon, that, that, uh, that feeling, that urge, that wanting it to be different is going to be redirected. Yeah, that's all. You're not going to get it the way you think, but you are it, really, the way you can't think. Yeah. And now there's going to be an evidence that's going to override the false evidence that the head keeps presenting. Yeah. And you're going to have a point, a position of authority where you won't bend to that presentation. Yes. Yeah. Almost like an immunity, like it says in the course, uh, the attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. Yes. 
So this isn't about the attack changing. It's about losing interest in the attack thoughts. Truly, that's it. I believe we have a lot of ways, just like why we, why, that's why we do in a way five talks a week. Yeah, because repetition, the head is sure using it quite a lot. So we're trying to use repetition and produce a different effect than the head does with repetition. Yeah. So this space, this space and coming in and coming in and coming in and uh, seems to be working for people. So I would suggest that. Yeah, I would. And, uh, you know, the head likes to get you alone. So attempt to sort of be engaged in a physical manner also outside yeah so that you can break that bondage or some or allow something to break it really and then uh you know recovery progresses like they say the disease progresses it progresses recovery yes and it has it builds a momentum where you're going to know you've broken out of the old gravitational field and you're going to be in a being sucked by a new gravitational field. You will, yes, yes. Just uh, just don't do anything stupid, and that means getting loaded. And don't die, and then keep coming back. Seriously, yeah. It's a. It's just. It's only a matter of a, of time because of the the belief in time but it's even in time it's only a matter of time yes the 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 story cannot withstand the light of the truth it can't it 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 avoids distracts da 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 but if you keep bringing it to it it's going to be revealed yes and you're going to lose interest in it what it's talking about is not you it's made up an image that it has presented to you as you and it keeps describing its image with the hopes that you'll take it as your image, yeah? Now, what takes it as your image is not you. That's where the relief is, yeah? It's not training it not to do this or, or to do something else. It's seeing you're not that which is taking it to be its own image, yes? It's the head masquerading as you, not once with the presentation, but twice as the hearing of the presentation. Both of them are not you. Yes, this is the difference of this message. People see something that's driving them crazy, but they don't see that that which is now seeing something that's driving them crazy is not you. The claiming of the seeing that something's driving you crazy will be another form of being driven crazy. You need to see it not once, but twice. This is non-duality not two yeah that's what it is non not duality two so that which is doing it wasn't you that which thinks it's going to stop doing it isn't you you don't have to go any farther than that two will do <laughs> seeing selfing as two will do i swear yes it will you don't have to go to the 58th degree it's simple. Most people are seeing only one aspect of self. They've spent tons of years 
doing the highest forms of spirituality, kissing the, the most pure feet, hanging out personally with incredible energetic characters, yet they've only seen the objectified self. They still think it's them that's seeing it. Yeah. And they're driven crazy still with all that resume, spiritual resume, they're being still driven crazy because they're seeing only one and it's non-duality. It's not two. Yes? Not one doesn't work. It doesn't. You think you know better, but you're not feeling better. You think you've figured it out, but nothing seems to be panning out. Yes? Something's informing you it's not done. You have to see this and that. You're neither this nor that. Not see this from that, which where most people are stuck now. They have an objectified idea of self. Maybe they call it the ego. And it's driving them crazy. What's being driven crazy is self. Self is driving self crazy. Yes? Underlying that is you. Yeah? The you that's neither this nor that. Yeah. This will let when when there's a negation of the two, then this idea of what you are will start influencing your experience. Yes. It will. It's just that simple. Yeah. So what I had something for years, honey. When I got sober, when before I got sober, I had this streak of paranoia that would happen. It would usually happen only around significant others, yeah? So if I really liked a woman, at some point or another, I was going to put my foot in my mouth. And I would get paranoid and feel like she was setting me up or something. And I would just fucking believe it, like as with all I could believe. I would believe it. And then I would act out and try to just attack her, not physically, but verbally and psychologically and maybe would go for a few hours maybe go for a day or two make a fucking fool of myself completely yes and so this happened quite a lot and i nothing could seem to stop it and i'm i get sober and i was hoping a lot of it that the, the severity of it was based on the cocaine use but i was mistaken it came roaring in into my sober life and usually around holidays too Holiday with a significant other, no bueno, yes? <laughs> I, who I really like, not just a, a real like. And I was fucking hopeless, I felt, really. I was about 10 or 11 years sober. And my thing was, I was just trying to limit all my affairs. I didn't want to get involved with anyone because I knew this was going to fucking come out. And when I was sober, it was worse because you would have like a three-day emotional hangover. You couldn't are used to you feel shitty for what you did seemingly did and put your foot in your mouth fucking unbelievable so i basically said i'm just can't get involved yes just not going to do it yet life kept knocking on the fucking door bringing me situations that i would really get keenly interested in that person and then i was in the minefield again and so this new year's eve in san francisco once again, I'm at the lady's house. I can feel something. I'm feeling like she's fucking me over somehow. 
So I act like I'm going to storm out of the room, which was the last thing I wanted to do. So I storm out of the room. As soon as I get in the car, I call her right up because I want I want to continue. I want to continue this fucking act. Yes. I just I wasn't going to leave. I wanted round two. So then she I call her. She answers. We do the fucking dance again. She rings the, the buzzer. I go back up and I'm just had it. And then I'm sitting there. And I don't know what occurred, but something snapped. Yes. And then the foot was coming close to the mouth. And I just, it just went back to the ground. I could not believe. I felt like telling you, you you cannot believe how lucky you are, what you've just missed. Because (laughs) I've been through this hurricane. It's It's not good. And so what happened was, this is like 11 years of sobriety. It had haunted this of me. And then it dissipated. Has never come back that strongly ever again. Mind-boggling, eh? So trust the process. Don't believe when it says always and never. It's bullshit. Yeah? And just try to do less harm. Don't fucking act out and don't die. Things are going to get better. Seriously, honey. Yeah. They are. You're this is unstoppable force. You can the head can make mountains out of molehills. You can move mountains. What we are. Yeah. We're the meat, we're giving everything all the meaning it has here. Yeah. When you change, the whole world can change. Yeah. You try. Trying to change the whole world doesn't change you. But when there's a change here, the whole world will be seen differently. It will. Yes. And you'll be so, you'll be put to incredibly good use what you've been through. So it has great value. It does. Yeah. All that shit that happened. I mean, I got run over twice by a car. I figured once would have been enough, but life had wanted me that got to run this fucker over twice. Yeah. You do. Somehow something's got to stop this guy. It's just too much. And so 10 months in a hospital bed, being really alone on so many levels, it was just really, I was not ready to go that low for so long. It was broke my back, my symbolic back tons of times. But I didn't die. I did act out badly that's why i can say now don't act out and don't die because i didn't die and uh i don't believe there's limited uh invitations i feel life will keep demanding your love yeah and bring it out i do so yep so i'm a it demonstrated i truly believe this was a curse i was not going to get out of seriously it was that and it was like a fucking gale force hurricane. It really was powerful. And I was outmatched. Therapy. I even tried therapy for that. And I was outmatched, you know? It just like, yet something came in and changed it. Very cool. Yeah, so. Thank you. Yeah, I just I just stayed around. And the thing is, you see, if you jump off the horse that you're on with recovery and everything, you're going to be dragged back to the same horse. So why why just just stay on? 
<laughs> jumping off isn't going to succeed. You're going to have to be brought back to the same fucking plane. <laughs> yeah. This is what I know people that hate AA and they inevitably be, have to go back to AA because there's nothing else that works. So it's, it's a real fucking drag. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a solution, honey. You're not exempt from it. You're not terminally unique, nor am I, nor is anyone here. There's a solution for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks okay. for sharing. Yeah. And I'd like to add, to repeat, that that sense of, uh, of uh, still and always, simple words, right? That how, 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 self-evident they can be on one side and then on the other side it's like you used to use the metaphor of just like a big bill big big bill for billboard by the highway it's just a billboard right and if it's seen as big and you fall into it as though it's the whole reality then it's more than a billboard but if it's just a big billboard because still and always are still big big billboards for me but they can be just billboards <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, and actually, the billboards can be made into a lot of different things. They could be like comedy routines. Yeah, for sure. They're just a billboard. Yeah, that is comedy. <laughs> when, you're, yeah. when you're being enslaved to an idea or a meaning that's been given to the billboard, and that's the only meaning that's being noticed, the freedom is from the meaning being given to the billboard. The billboard can be exactly the way it was appearing, but now you have it's having a comedic effect. Yes. This is the beauty of we're not we're we're not used to too many different positions. Self-centeredness is just that self-centered. Yeah. And it's wonderful when not only as like a miracle or as an intuitive thing or as a coincidence or as a synchronicity. But if that stuff becomes the norm, yeah, you'll realize you have a new basis of life that's not based on the mental projections and the mental interpretations. Yes, you see those, but you're seeing a lot, a lot more. Yes. So the panoramic can see the myopic of self-centeredness. The self-centeredness cannot see the panoramic. It's blind to it. But the panoramic Aception includes the, the myopic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, yeah, still and uh, always. Yes, yes. All right. Anyone else, Mike? Or... No. Well, then we'll say goodbye. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Craig Manning is breaking out. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't. Who gave him the uh, the, the the hand, <laughs> the glove, yeah. the hand? It was it was Hi, uh, it was six you know, six. Mike, I just it's not the corner actually. Sorry to disappoint, but I just wanted to reach out to Layla because um, I have OCD fucking severely. I've had it all my life, and from what she was describing, it sounds like it very much sounds like that. So, Layla, I've sent you my email. Oh, I can see you've responded to it there. So if, if you ever want to um, talk about it or uh, please, 
I think I, I think I could help. And especially the way this message has affected it. Um, it's been absolutely profound. So if you ever want to reach out and, and talk about it, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Awesome. Yeah. And Deb, Deb McKenna. Yeah, send your open up to some women here, maybe. Yeah. You can put your information up and uh, yeah. Yeah. Get on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. All right, anyone else? Thank you, Craig, for that. Yes. Uh, no. All right, well, let me say, let me first thank Craig May. We're taking the lock off the Craig's Corner. So, yeah, yeah, taking it off. It can be put back on, but we're taking it off for now. Debbie McKenna. Yes, yes. David from Down Under. Simon. I don't know where Simon resides. Mike, upstate. Are you in New York or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Me? You don't yeah. know where you were? <laughs> no. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh, yeah. I know where. Oh, by the way, this will uh, entice you to come back. Is we got a coffee truck that comes here Friday morning, uh, for Friday days. So you don't have to go all the way to Great Barrington. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's nice. Yeah. And good. Good coffee. Good stuff. Oh, yes. That's good. Yes. I don't need any enticement, Mike. You're more than enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You are. I like that place. The rooms were great upstairs. All yours. In the backyard and everything. Yeah. And there's woods that you haven't explored yet and other ponds. I, I mean, we were, that was, uh, we didn't spend that much time. We had to do a lot of stuff. So, all right. Let's see, William S. Yeah, William. Remember, it's like a thief in the night. Uh, it's already there before you notice it. Yeah. So. All right, Kathleen, thank you for uh, watching out. I've been doing it myself. I've been going to the website and checking out. Yes, I've decided to. Yeah. Yeah. Marty, happy with the Wi-Fi. That's good. Walter, Bill Churchman, Bill and Kathleen. A lovely group. Did you ever hear from that lady that ran over the cement? No? Uh, no. Uh, that was a nice night. Not that she ran over the cement, but. Yeah, I, I think about her often. I wonder how, she, I, I think she did okay. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing happened to the car really. Yeah. Right, we got Lala. Lala, see you, honey. Yes, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Dennis W., nice to see you. Carolyn Thomas, nice to see you, Carolyn. Esther, Esther's got the hair going today, yeah. We got Shannon Corkery, just love that name. I knew, I have, I'm saving you that Ethiopian coffee, Anu. Don't worry, no one's gonna touch it before you. Sherry, as always, Santa. There she is in San Diego. 
Sherry's a lovely character. Ham and cheese. He's got some mayo going. Alan Olson. He's dead to the world, finally. Suzanne. I think it's Suzanne, yes? Did I used to blow your name? I think so. That's fine. I will answer to Suzanne. <laughs> How should I say it? Susan? It's Susan, but I love it when you say Suzanne, so I think I'll change it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll keep using Suzanne. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. John Kay, nice to see you, my friend. Susan, thank you for, uh, that reminds me. I've got to probably cash that thing you gave me. <laughs> I forgot about it. I got to look for it now. I may have to get in touch with you. I may have lost it. I don't know. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Christine, nice to see you. Keith, oh, nice pleasure to meet you there. Let's go to two. We got uh, Anand Sindhu. Susanna W. Yeah, she's chilling out till she goes to Sicily. It's, I can see it's going to happen. I've read her stars. She'll be under there. We got Mia. I don't know where she is. It's iPhone Mia. Cassandra, I think. Are you done? Are you uh, away from your personal retreat? Are you home? I, I'm home now back in Georgia. And... Um... So many things are happening. I'll, I'll share maybe in the next meeting. Lots of stuff is going on. Really fun, interesting things. Oh, great, great, great. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Susan Kay, my latte lady, keeps me in, she uh, keeps me in uh, dark espresso. Greg, Minneapolis. Zoe Banks, yes. Uh, I think I, I think that's it. Hey, listen, thank you so much for tonight. Uh, it's a pleasure getting together with everybody. And remember, for people, if you come to an idea that you'd like to go to Sicily in October, it's it's available. Yes, honey. Yeah, we can we can take we can have more people, and it's uh, the more the merrier. I would feel so. Yes, and I'm willing to call in bomb scares or do other things, extort people, whatever. All right. Bomb scares, where? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I'm gonna call the uh, educational system of Arkansas to, to free Zoe oh. Banks. <laughs> I'm gonna do a robo call of bomb scares. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll see everyone. Thanks. I'll see you uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's recovery at 1030 Pacific time and Saturday is 1 p.m. Pacific time. And if you're around here, we have a live meeting and the Zoom at the church in Marin City. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you Thanks, so much. Paul. Thank you. Thank you.